Hey, welcome back to the Access Podcast. Today on the show, we have Pastor Karen Waldhart joining us for a conversation on soul ties. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. Well, hey, everyone. Today uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking to Pastor Karen Waldhart. Welcome Thank to the Access Podcast. We're continuing our conversation uh, in our series, DM, Dating and Marriage. And today we're going to talk about some soul ties. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to define it. We're going to ask some questions. And ultimately, we're just hoping to have the conversation of how to become a healthier individual, how how to be free so that we can love Christ and honor Christ in all of our relationships. And so this is kind of funny. I didn't give you guys a heads up, but this is so full circle because Kimmy... Like we have Kimmy here today, we have Alec and Pastor Karen, and Kimmy, like you got introduced to Christ really through a ministry appointment that you had with Pastor Karen. Yep. So like, tell me a little bit about like a little 30 second, one minute version of like what that went like and how Pastor Karen's influenced your life. All right. So I was really two and a half years ago, almost three years, actually, this October will be three years, um, really just struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety. Um, I just hit a low, so I came into the church with my mom to pray, met with Pastor Karen and Kendra, um, and they really just heard me out, and there was one thing that Pastor Karen said that just shifted everything, and she said, the thoughts that you're having aren't your own thoughts, and that just like hit me. It was exactly what I needed to hear, because everyone told me I was crazy. How do you? How are the thoughts in your own head, not your thoughts? Um, but when she said that, it was like, okay, whatever she's got to say, it's real. Mm-hmm. Um I had grown up kind of like knowing the Lord, but not really knowing him. Just went to church a few times with my grandparents. Um, And Pastor Karen and Kendra just led me into hearing God's voice for my own. And they they just led me with prompting questions of, God, how much do you love me? God, have you ever left me? God, what are your plans for me? And really just instantly hearing the Lord's voice um, through my thoughts, which was also just like transforming because before my thoughts weren't my own thoughts, but they were negative. And now my thoughts weren't my own thoughts, but they were from God. Um, because already he was just creating our minds into one. Um, and after that just started my, my journey with my walk with the Lord of getting connected with youth. And yeah, that was a day that transformed my life forever. Wow. Praise God. And I will never forget it either. Mm -hmm. You could tell that your heart was wide open and God just did an amazing work. Yeah. It was awesome. Mm. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, today, um, we have pastor Karen has how many years of experience in ministry? Well, uh, 12 years on staff as a women's pastor here at Res Life, um, but I call myself a professional volunteer because I've almost always <laughs> been involved in something. And, and you just, sing too, right? I do, not so Worship much anymore. <laughs> Don't hold me to that. <laughs> but that's where my beginnings were, actually was in the worship uh, and creative arts. Um, yeah. So uh, God just... You know, when you just walk it out with God, it's like one step leads to the next step, leads to the next step. And in hindsight, you can see how it all works together. Mm-hmm. So that's been my life. I just keep obeying God. You know, first he had me in music, then he had me leading worship. Oh, first there was choir, then there was uh, leading worship for women's ministry. Uh, and all of a sudden I was women's pastor. And God all along he had told me, this is your next step. And this has something to do with your future. Didn't know what it was. But you just keep walking it out, and God is so faithful mm. to lead. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. So you also are involved in Freedom Ministry, Kairos. You have experience in that, walking with people through maybe the struggle and kind of like the unknown struggle 
in the sense of like, okay, I'm dealing with things. I'm not operating on full all cylinders. Like I'm not living to my full potential. I don't know why. And so you have that experience with Kairos and that's really kind of what we're going to draw in is that type of ministry that is like, in a sense, you can call it soul care, inner healing, or really helping people thrive as Christians. Absolutely. And so, um, let's, let's jump right into this conversation about like soul ties. Sure. And so if, if I can ask you the question, uh, Pastor Karen, for maybe people who are not from Resurrection Life Church or from charismatic circles where soul ties, like for me growing up, I always was taught about soul ties, right? I was from a young age, you're like, don't develop soul ties, you know, these types of, this type of language. But sure. for some people, it's, it's unfamiliar. So what is a soul tie? <laughs> and what isn't a soul tie? And maybe I'll let you go off on a tangent or go off on, not a tangent, <laughs> but help us to uh, think clearly about this topic. Sure. Uh, And I do think it's important to just start with saying it might be part of Christianese to talk about soul ties, but the actual term soul ties is not found in the Bible per se. But it doesn't mean that there aren't scriptural principles, you know, that are true. Um, And so the term soul ties, maybe the closest example that we get is found in 1 Samuel 18, where it says the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And I think it's a beautiful example of a relationship that had a real emotional tie that was very positive. So we can also say, though we may be majoring on some of the more negative aspects of a, maybe I would say a toxic relationship that we would call a soul tie, there are also very positive soul ties that can be had. Uh, And so in this case, Jonathan and David were just like, uh, I I, I had this example in my head that we're actually tying something together. So when you're tied to this person, it doesn't change your identity. It doesn't change uh, how you view yourself, but it is a, it's a very positive relationship where I can sow into your life and you sow into my life in a very positive way. So I would say just a real simple definition of soul ties is a relational attachment to someone else that does have influence, but how much influence we give it and what kind of influence is really part of our responsibility. We are, we have a soul, which includes your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so we're kind of talking about an emotional attachment here. And um, so I wanted to start out by saying it can be a very positive thing, but if we're not careful, it can become toxic in our lives and more controlling rather than depending on God for direction. We are depending uh, and dependent emotionally on a person to fulfill something that only God can fulfill in us. Does that sound yeah. like a pretty so, good definition that we can so all springboard? So can you say that one more time? <laughs> An emotional, that's that definition, emotional attachment. attachment um, having to do with relationship through an emotional attachment to someone else that affects and has influence over my mind, will, emotions, and it affects our beliefs, what we believe, what I believe about myself, what I believe about, um, you know, other people and how they see me. And sometimes we end up projecting that onto how God sees us. And so that can be positive or that can be negative, depending on how we respond. That's a, that's a great definition. Do you guys have any clear, points of clarification on that? 
So an emotional attachment that we have with someone else mm-hmm. and that person who may not even know that they're influencing us, right. they influence us from the relationship that we've had with that person. Right. So in the aspects of dating and marriage, um, how, so how do those soul ties form then? So are there specific actions or is there sin or how, how, how are those going to be formed in someone's life? Sure. I think anytime we begin looking to a person to fulfill what only God can fulfill, we are going down a path of what I would say a more toxic type of soul tie. That person's responsibility is never to make you happy. But if you think it's your job to make me happy, you are setting yourself up for failure. You are, your source of happiness and joy is being placed in a person, and it will never, ever fulfill. It's got to be, I believe, the most important tie that we have has to be, number one, with Jesus Christ. And uh, I know it's kind of romantic to say to a person that you're dating or that you're about to marry and say, you complete me. It's sweet. But, you know, if we are not, number one, completed in Christ, uh, we are bringing into that marriage or that relationship maybe a dependence on that person. They're not going to be able to live up to that. It's not even fair to ask that of someone. It's not their job to make you happy. It is bringing a whole person into a relationship with another whole person that is wholly uh, dependent on God for all those needs, emotional, spiritual, physical. And I believe that's the formation of the most positive kind of uh, relationships. And in dating, I think it's very important to make sure then that you are equally yoked with that person when it comes to dependence on God. Um, so when you say equally yoked, are you saying just that they're also a Christian? Or are you saying there's a higher, maybe even a different level of equally yoked that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one because it's kind of Christianese. So yeah, we don't yeah. want to just pass that by. Um, equally yoked, meaning that I believe you both have the same passion for living your life for God. Um, and that God is the uh, the guide and leader and source of your life. And when you do that together, it's a beautiful, uh, it brings strength to a relationship. And you're depending on God, you know, that's something that God can bless. And uh, you'll never live at the fullest un- unless we are able to do that with another person. And that can ebb and flow, you know, um, only God knows the heart, you know, and uh, we're all in the process of growing and, you know, my husband and I are going to uh, celebrate 40 years this oh year of marriage. Praise God. And it's amazing that we have seen, we've gone through different seasons, even in our relationship, but how just keeping your uh, eyes on God as your source through whatever season of life you're in, uh, we're just more in love maybe than ever before. And I'm, I'm thankful for that because that's not always the case after mm-hmm. 40 years, you mm-hmm. know. It doesn't feel like 40 years. It feels like maybe, maybe four. (laughs) (laughs) That's so do you find, so in your pastoral experience, do you find that people are aware of soul ties or that, or emotional connections to another person, um, unhealthy emotional connections to another person? Are people aware of that or are they ignorant of it and its effects on them? I think in general, they don't see it. Uh, but there's some evidence 
of it. And sometimes when you help people tell their story, it kind of comes out in different ways. Should I describe maybe some of those yeah. things that might be uh, maybe, I don't want to call them red flags necessarily, but maybe signs that you form some kind of a soul tie that is having a negative effect on your life. Maybe like a check engine light. Like, there you go. There yeah, you go. Sure. Sure. And so maybe if this person, okay, say that you've been dating for a while and there's a bad breakup and um, this person has kind of moved on, but you can't, you're stuck and you still are holding out hope that this will, uh, this relationship will still, you know, come back and uh, be better than ever. And the funny thing about that is that we oftentimes forget all the negative things and everything looks rosy, like, oh, it was so wonderful. Well, maybe it wasn't, you know. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, this other person has moved on and you just seem stuck And that even at random times during the day, all of a sudden you're thinking about that person. You're holding out hope all the time to the point that, you're not even aware of possible new friendships and new relationships that um, you do not even allow yourself to invest in, in um, emotionally. Um, it's, it's a, obviously, I think it, it becomes more of a bondage to you. It becomes more like you are um, stuck and it's more like um, you need to break free from something because you're consumed by this these thoughts. And I think that's really important to say it's our thought life that empowers this. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's important that we approach and, and pay attention to what we're thinking about. What are we focusing on? Your emotions will follow your most dominant thought. And God, in the Bible, we see, we do read a lot about thoughts. And um, so I think that's a whole area of ministry that I, uh, find helpful is that when we can't allow our thoughts to be like a runaway train and you think every thought is a good thought which give me is why when I you were sharing some thoughts that you had been focusing on I could say to you that's not you mm -hmm. and so you recognize that that is one way that the devil wants to get control and we get in this crazy cycle of thoughts that we feel like we can't break out of. It, it's, it's bondage. It's mm -hmm. not, um, there's no good fruit that comes out of that. And so when you examine the fruit and you say, okay, what's the source? I've been focusing and obsessing and I'm consumed by this one thing. And I think, um, coming back to relationships, I think that may be a sign that you have formed an unhealthy soul tie. You can't let this person go. But in not letting that person go, you're, you are paralyzed yourself and unable to move forward in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is, is that seems so normal. I agree. Like the emotional connections to previous relationships. And we haven't even talked about what sex does to soul ties and sure. what actually having sex or getting close to sex and having sexual interactions with maybe an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend and, and what that does, but even just the emotional attachment that you have. Sure. And so it seems so normal, even like, I remember I had, I had a conversation with a friend, right? And this was probably two months ago, a friend from high school, and I hadn't talked to him in about eight years. And 
and we were taught he was he brought up his high school relationship because you know we went to high school together so we were throwing it back to all the people that we dated in high school and he basically brought up that he still thought constantly about this girl Hmm. and and he was asking me, do, did you, do you still think about, you know, like your exes and all this stuff like that? And, and I was honest and I'd say there are times that I do, but I basically shared what a soul tie was. And I shared like okay. that you can actually be free and you should have seen his eyes. You should have seen his reaction. Like, wait, there is a way to live beyond the connection that I feel to this person. Cause he said, I don't know if I'll ever get over her. Mm. Wow. And I'm like, man, it's just so normal for people to think it's like in sure. our culture that like, oh yeah, she's just the one that got away or he's the one that got away and they're, oh, she'll always have a piece of my heart, right? Yes. There's this okay. language that's inundated in our movies and our songs and our, especially the country songs. Country <laughs> songs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just seems so normal. And sure. to even verbalize that Christ can set us free yes. is almost like a, Let's pause and just realize, sure, like whoa, like God can actually set us free from the unhealthy connections, emotional connections, yeah, that we have to previous right. relationships. Specifically, as we focus in on this episode of right r- relationship in a rom- romantic sure relationship. Well, and and it's very fair to say that you probably got your heart broken, and that's a real thing. And Jesus said, "I came to heal the brokenhearted." Mm-hmm. So to know that. The hurting part of that is normal. And there might even be a grieving, you know, I went through it myself. But God heals that, you know, and there might be some forgiveness that you have to walk through if there were some things that were done, you know, unfairly. Uh, But to know that, yes, you can be healed. So even the memory of it doesn't hurt anymore. You can't erase your past and you shouldn't have to. But if all we do is live in the past and we continue to feel the same hurt, it's like walking backwards through life. You're always stuck in your past when God has a a turnaround and look at the future, you know, for each one of us. And so I believe that is the other way to minister to that and say what you thought that you needed, it didn't happen. Don't really know why that relationship didn't work out. Maybe you know more than, you know, but... It takes two people (laughs) to agree to have that kind of a mutual love and relationship. And if one person walked away and left you holding, you know, your heart in your hands, uh, just know that no matter what that hurt feels like, God wants to come in. He wants to heal so that you can turn around and believe that God cares. He cares about every detail of our lives Um, and to not allow that to affect your identity of who God has made you and how he sees you. Because if we feel rejected, we might bring that into the next relationship and say, well, I don't know how long until this person's going to, you know, figure out that I'm not worthy and they're going to turn around, walk away on me. And then we come up with these wrong beliefs and begin believing lies about ourselves and say, well, I must be, there must be something wrong with me. Now, mm. now we're carrying shame. Mm. Now we're carrying guilt. And now our identity has been affected. And so that's where that soul tie can become uh, deeper and deeper. And you get into relationships and you're carrying all this baggage and you can't even receive love because you're just waiting for that person to reject you because mm. I'm not worthy of anybody's love. It must be because I'm still hurting from the past. Letting God heal it 
and receiving who he says you are, who he created and designed you to be. Loving yourself the way that God loves you, I think is really a good step forward out of the past hurts. So how does, uh, I don't don't think I want to go there yet. We'll get there eventually, but um, how does repentance play into overcoming those you're, you're talking about the shame right and yeah. that's who i am like right so how does repentance play into it because oftentimes a soul tie is formed because of our sin our lack of discipline our lack of putting boundaries up it's us placing our trust in something other than christ or someone other than christ right so it's not just oh let god love me it's like because i know i've been under your teachings in, in kairos and, and there's a repentance aspect to in a sense, breaking a soul tie or becoming free and allowing Christ to free us from from these emotional connections and emotional um, chains that we have through previous relationships. So can you talk about repentance and how that plays into it? Yeah, and let's let's define repentance too because oftentimes we feel like uh, the word repentance means I'm going to feel sorry enough and beat myself up enough. But the word repentance really just simply means a change in your mind. And here we're back to thoughts again, right? Mm-hmm. And so to see it through God's eyes, uh, repenting, yeah, be responsible to God for some things that were uh, your responsibility as far as maybe allowing the boundaries to be pushed, you know, physically, sexually, uh, whatever that may have looked like in that relationship. And I think that becomes more than just an emotional tie. Well, I should say it probably strengthens that emotional tie. But um, yeah, I, I do think it's there's there's room for saying, God, I'm really sorry, I blew it. I'm going to take responsibility for the things and and it's probably healthy for you to just get it off your chest. God knows it anyway. And um and then just say I receive and that's the thing. God's not up there going shame on you. God never gives us shame. But when we turn to him, you are in a position to receive from him the forgiveness that he paid so great a price for us to enjoy. And then you have to remember that it is as far as the east is from the west, God's not going to remind you of that sin. It's mm. gone. It's taken care of. It has been not just covered, but washed away in the blood. And so walk free from it. But then I believe the next step is to say, God, um, show me, teach me what needs to change in me, how to see it your way. I want to bring something healthier into my next relationship. And um, I don't want to put out false hope, <laughs> but my in my own story, uh, I dated uh, the same guy in high school, literally for eight years. I'm not going to tell you how young I was because I we didn't even tell our kids. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> and we got engaged, and I broke it off, and I really thought it it really destroyed me in in a lot of different ways. But there was a huge healing in my own heart that had to take place the way I saw myself and what I was willing to put into a relationship commitment and what it would take. It it was like God had to redefine for me what a healthy love relationship really was so that a marriage would work. And a year and a half later, it's a long story, there was an angelic visitation in the whole nine yards. (laughs) God got us back together. But this time we were healthy. 
Mm. It was a much healthier relationship. So the breakup was terrible. I, I really, I did it, but I, it was very hurtful, but God redeemed it. And, um, and that's why we're still married 40 years later. Wow. I know that for sure. <laughs> I have another question, but I've been asking a lot of questions. Do you guys have any questions you want to ask? Go for it. I'm okay. Just... I was going to ask you have, this is not in our paper, but so let's say you have a couple that's listening to this or even a single person that's listening to this and they're having thoughts about previous relationships, previous people that they've either been dating or they've had sex with. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're in it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say to that person? Mm-hmm. What, what, what are you saying to them? Mm-hmm. Heck, they might be married and still having thoughts about, right? They might be thoughts about their previous relationships. That's very normal. It it's, is. it's very normal. So what do you say to that person? It's very common. I would say that there has to be a decisive choice that you're making to leave the past in the past. Because you cannot change the past, but if you dwell in the past, you are going to negatively affect your future. So um, I believe in that we oftentimes don't realize the kind of authority that God has given us. You, we have been given the authority over our thought life. And yet I think oftentimes we just, like I said, maybe at the beginning, we let our thoughts go, receive every thought and think it's our own and don't realize that really the only arena that the devil can come in in the form of temptation is in a thought. He doesn't have any other weapons left because Jesus destroyed him by, you know, on the cross. And so if we allow the thought to stay, you're allowing it to take root and produce fruit. And so the Bible has a lot to say about that. So I would say this, if you're struggling and you're kind of like in this crazy cycle of thoughts that are consuming, um, they're random, but you're, you might even be in a marriage relationship and you're still struggling with thoughts of another person, make a decisive choice that I'm going to walk this out a different way because it's not bringing good fruit in my life, number one. But number two, know that you have authority over those thoughts. But I like to say, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, take no thought for what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. He's talking about worry. And then he turned around and in, uh, Paul says, take every thought. So I think the, the word that I saw that's common there is take. We have a choice to take it or uh, take or to reject it, first of all. So you have to start exercising that. I used to deal a lot with a spirit of fear and I thought, oh, that's just me. That's just the way I am. I must be a fearful, fearful person. Only come to find out there was an awakening day when God said, that's not you. <laughs> and it set me free. I went, wait a minute, if it's not from God and it's not from me, then let's get to the source of it. And I'm supposed to be resisting these thoughts. So we, I think we need to get active in our thought life. And then if we're going to reject a thought, make sure you replace the thought. That's good. So replace the thought just the way um, Philippians 8, set, 4, 8 says, it says, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word. That's a big one. That's a big one. Okay. We're not dwelling on the sexual sin. We're not uh, dwelling on the feelings that I used to have, uh, especially if this person has moved on and gotten married. Okay. We're, we're just really getting into an arena that God cannot bless. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of obvious, but sometimes I think what's a little bit tricky here 
is that our thought life is private and we don't always reveal it, but it's still toxic to us. And so it's still important that we're replacing it with what is confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace. Hey, there's lots of choices here, right? (laughs) Whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. You're going to have to make new choices about what you focus on. And I believe God's given us the authority and the ability to do that. But you do have to replace the thought. Otherwise, that other thought, well, here's the other thing. You cannot think two thoughts at the same time. So you're still making a choice. Which thought am I going to focus on? But it takes, it takes a bit of discipline. I, when yeah. I was still dealing with the spirit of fear, that same thought was a trigger. And it would take me down the pathway to fear where I would feel it in my body in a very physical way. And God alerted me to that and say, stop that thought right now. Take it captive, is what um, Paul said, to the obedience of Christ. Christ defeated uh, the devil at the cross. And so that thought has nothing on me. Only It only has the power that I allow it to have in my life. So we're taking authority. We're standing up, putting on our, you know, our spiritual armor, get your head focused in the right place. And you can do that. You can do that. Most people think, oh, it's just whatever comes into my head is okay. The, uh, the most helpful way that I've heard someone explain that to me, like practically for me is Dan Moeller. If you know who Dan Moeller is, he's a, like a YouTube speaker. He travels with Todd White. But he says, make the devil pay. I like that. So if whenever you get a thought, whether that's a sexual thought, it's a fantasy that comes back from a previous relationship, it's a lustful thought, or it's an emotional thought, whatever thought that pops in, he says, make the devil pay. He says, if the devil touches you, you run to Jesus in intimacy and love and expression of how you're set free. That's good. So it's not like for me... Because like, I hear you, that is like, yes, 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 yes. For me, like I grew up, my struggle is like a performance mentality that I need to do the right thing all the time, right? And so like sometimes I would get caught in my own self of like, okay, I just got to have the right thought. got to have the right thought. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so there's a little bit of like shame that even comes attached to sure. like, I need to make sure that I get all this right, right? So the way, the, the way that that's framed, I don't think you're wrong. I think it's both right. I think different people struggle with different aspects sure. of how to get free and have different ways. So the what I've thought about it is like I just run to Jesus and I make the devil pay. Yeah. That I don't need to necessarily need to have the perfect thought and the perfect word that I need to re- replace it with. I actually just need to run to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so when I do that, the devil won't even touch me anymore because every time he touches me, I get str- I, I I get strengthened actually. It's actually not a negative thing when I get tempted. It's actually a positive thing because every time I get tempted, I'm running to Jesus. Yeah. And the way he frames it is just like, if you do that enough, the devil, not that you won't get tempted, but it's going to be way less frequent because he's going to be like, hey, demons, um, don't mess with that guy anymore. You're going to have to figure something else out because every time we touch him, he gets a little bit stronger. Or every time he touches her, she gets a little bit stronger. That's good. Um, I wanted to I wanted to ask you about something. I'm, I'm curious about this because, man, I've just been, I've wrestled with this for so long. I grew up in Christian. I grew up right with the idea that God can break through in a moment with God can change everything, but that I know how important discipline is and, 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 
and just being personally responsible for your thought life and your relationship with Christ. So what's your what's your perspective on breakthrough moments mm-hmm. when it comes to soul ties versus or the importance of breakthrough moments and the importance of discipline mm-hmm. and how do those things merge as we think about our soul mm-hmm. ties? That's good. Well, I think breakthrough moments can only come by revelation of the Holy Spirit because he brings an understanding that we in our own way of thinking, you know, it's like we've been in this ditch over here and this is the only way that I've been thinking for so long. And he brings something brand new, like a light bulb moment, you know, going on. And I think exactly what you're saying, Jake, that um, just leaning in and trusting in God and just seeking that more intimate relationship, everything that I, I'm missing out of these past relationships can be found in Jesus. And I'm going to press in and trust that, you know, God is there to, to just keep ministering that intimacy with me. Uh, I think that is where, you know, we allow our hearts to be touched and our eyes to be open. You know, the Bible talks about the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart. And so that's a, that is something that only the Holy Spirit can do. And I think being in the presence of God, worshiping, just, just releasing and surrendering. is like, God, I don't have a clue how to get free from this, but I know that you do. And it's, it's a, I like to say it's not a trying harder gospel, but it is a die harder gospel. Let me just die to this. But God, I'm going to trust that you're going to bring me to that place of healing and bring me to that thing. It's only something that God can do. Um, But I do think the discipline part of that was to, to exercise my faith with the authority that um, I suddenly realized my breakthrough moment was, hey, I don't. I'm not in resisting this. The Bible says, you know, submit yourself to God. Okay, that's what I'm doing. But now he showed me, you need to say no. And it seemed a little too simple. But I hadn't seen it that way before. That was a revelation to me. I don't have to let this happen. Hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, so can I frame it? Can I restate what, you, what I heard you sure. say? Mm-hmm. So the breakthrough moments are crucial. Like you actually can't get free without a breakthrough moment. I would agree with that. But mm-hmm. the discipline is living in the breakthrough. There you go. So it's not mm-hmm. because of how many times have we seen people come to the altar and they're crying and they fall over, but then it's like you see them a week later and it's like, okay, you're still struggling with the same thing. You haven't developed any new patterns. So the breakthrough moment yeah. is designed to shift mm-hmm. your perspective and it's designed to actually draw you into a, a new relationship or a revitalized uh, relationship with Christ in which habits change in order to maintain freedom. Yeah, that's good. And I think freedom is always a walking out process. Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be 10 steps backwards and 20 steps forward. And none of it is, uh, you don't ever have to feel condemned about it. God is not condemning us. He doesn't look down. He's not disappointed in you if you blow it, you know, uh, just keep running back to him. Like you said, Jake. That's good. Do you guys have any questions? I'm just loving this. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, um, yeah. always go back to the truth. Always go back to the truth. Because in the end, I believe a toxic soul tie 
is based on lies that we're believing. Believing sometimes about ourselves, about the relationship, about my future, about who I am, and sometimes we give away our identity in that. And I just wrote down a few truths that I think might be um, the things that we ask God to just really reveal the the truth behind us, because it's it's only his truth that sets us free, right? And I know that the word of God, uh, the Bible says it's alive and active. So if we activate the uh, the life of God, uh, that's where our hearts are truly changed and our mind will change too. Um, just real quick, Romans 12, 2 tells us that it is by the renewing of our minds. Isn't that interesting? It's not the renewing of your faith, but we all need to walk through, I believe our life is a process of getting our minds renewed and that's allowing the Holy Spirit to do it. But I, I love to come back to these truths that you need to know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you need to accept and believe that you have been uniquely created in the image of God, and he calls you his handiwork, and that God approves of you. He's not disappointed in you. He promises a bright future for you, and that you walk in purpose and destiny for which God has created you, and he has planned for you ahead of time. And just to know, no matter where you're at in relationships, and no matter how we are dealing with them, that God wants to meet your every need, and he is concerned about every detail of your life. And those are the things that I go to when my mind is telling me something different, I have to realize, wait a minute, I'm going back to the truth, because that's where my freedom lies. Mm -hmm. I have a question to go off of that. So when when you're believing those lies, how what does the process look like of taking the lie to God, finding out the truth, and actually, like there's a difference between knowing the truth and believing the truth. Mm. So what is the process of really believing and engraving in your heart the truth that God has to say about you? Mm. Wow, that's a, that's a really good question. <laughs> Thank you. I would say... Uh, I would say, again, I believe that's a work of the Holy Spirit. If you're really submitting to God and you're just saying, God, I... I don't know this truth. I'm not sure I even believe this truth. You know, we can be so honest with him and uh, ask him to, to knit my heart to this truth. Uh, I've asked God, you know, I, I'm understanding grace in my head, but I want to understand it in my heart. I want to know it. I want to live it. I want to breathe it. And it is just a work of the Holy Spirit. He's faithful. Mm -hmm. He wants that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I, I just think it's, it's again, it's, uh, it's a realizing that God wants to do that work in us. And it's not all, uh, we're just cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And what, when we do that, it's all good. You know, there's nothing negative and uh, no bad fruit that comes from that. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if that really answered your question. No, but. it does. I remember I started a journey because I just struggled with um, my thoughts a lot. And so when I started this journey of really taking these lies and fears to the Lord um, and receiving the truth for them or from him, it was really a process of like, as soon as that truth became a belief in my heart, mm -hmm. it was like, it was like another weapon that I'm like ready for battle. It's like another mini soldier that I can keep in my head that helps me go against those, those thoughts that are attacking me. And That's it just good. makes me stronger as the Lord just continues to speak them into my heart. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so kind of switching gears here a little bit, I wanted to talk about the effects of like sexual encounters, whether that's with 
like say you're engaged and you have um, sex with your um, soon to be spouse before you get married, like how that affects your marriage or how just casual sex encounters affect your ability to date well, love well, and just how that affects your, your beliefs and how it, how it really weighs you down. We kind of hit on it a little bit earlier, but I want to hear what your opinions are on that matter. Yeah. Um, you've just created some baggage that you're going to carry into every relationship. Uh, I believe the Bible talks about sexual sin in a different way than it talks about any other sin. And that's why uh, we've heard recently from the pulpit and the word of God says, flee, run. It is a definite uh, snare. And uh, I know, obviously, uh, I know many couples who are loving God, serving God, been married for many years, but they had sex before marriage. And they still feel guilty. They had a hard time, you know, even uh, feeling like that they were starting off on the right foot. You know, they, they carried a lot of guilt and condemnation into their marriage, and that's just not a good foundation, you know. You do give your... Um, well, you don't give yourself physically uh, without also, you know, giving yourself emotionally. Uh, at least I would hope that you're not that unemotionally, you know, detached from people. But um, on the other hand, um, yeah, I think it creates a deeper tie. And, and if you end up not marrying that person, I think now you have um, a past that's kind of engraved in your mind, and it can definitely become a stronghold in your mind and your thoughts, especially when you want to have a healthy sexual relationship, you know, in, in your marriage. Um, so I know that even though some people say, well, we're going to get married anyway, uh, I can guarantee you that you're still going to have some things to deal with that you would not normally have had, had you kept yourself pure before God together, got married like you were planning, and then um, started your your uh, marriage on a different plane. So you would say that sex before marriage, or you have a, sex before marriage creates or magnifies the emotional connection to another person. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's designed to. I think that's the reason why God, you know, uh, designed it in under the, you know, um, matrimony and under the confines, I don't want to say confines, under the, you know, the beauty of being in a committed relationship, covenant with God. Um, and it's designed to bring us together emotionally, not just physically, but I believe there's also a spiritual connection when that happens. And so it's a very, it, it, it needs to be guarded and needs to be considered um, holy and the best blessing is saved for marriage. But if you've not done that, there's definitely forgiveness uh, and cleansing from that. And when God, when we release that to God and just agree with God that, hey, you know, this wasn't good. I did it. I allowed my uh, physical uh, urges to overcome. Or maybe I was just believing this is what is the next step in our relationship, whatever it was that you were believing. And now you're saying, you know what, I probably shouldn't have done that. The fruit of it is I feel condemned. I feel like I can't go before God. I feel guilty all the time. There's must be something wrong with me or, or whatever. Those thoughts begin to um, turn into beliefs like what you were saying, Kim. Now I'm believing something about myself. Uh, just know that God, he, 
he can make all things new. Mm -hmm. I have a question going off that. Do you think that the process of breaking a soul tie um, from having sex before marriage is different than when we create a soul tie, like through our thoughts and through just like emotional attachments Mm. of that sort? Or is it very similar? I think similar, but it probably goes deeper. Mm-hmm. That that would be just my opinion. Um, you are not just connected with them uh, emotionally and relationally, but you you did go beyond that, mm-hmm. you know, in a physical way. And I do think that there is probably a deeper, um, but nothing that is too hard for God. Amen. And there's no sin, you know, that is unforgivable when it comes to that. And um, just know that God wants your freedom from that so that it, you do not have to carry that into every relationship. You you do not have to punish yourself for what you did. Jesus took the punishment. He took the guilt. He took the shame. He carried it for you. And now enjoy the grace of that and know that God wants you free. He wants you to succeed in your relationships. And now we're giving him something that he can bless. Mm-hmm. Because we're taking, taking advantage of uh, and, and living in the fullness of what Jesus has already done for us. Yeah. Yeah. The point of the point of the, the, like marriage and the point of us pursuing that isn't like just not having sex before marriage is not the prize. It's not the goal. You know, mm-hmm. that is a goal, right? That, that's a, it's an honorable goal for people to have, but like, but like the cross flips everything around, mm-hmm. like it flips everything around because you can be obstinate and have the worst thought life, the worst heart life, the worst perspective on sex and purity, and you can be so self-righteous in your abstinence, and you can have someone who has had sex with a dozen people, and yet they've come to Christ and found so much grace and realized that their purity is not based on their action. It's based on God making all things new. And so there's just like this beautiful, this beautiful message in the gospel that 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 they're like everyone is the same under grace. That's like good. Matthew talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, or Jesus does, that if you even look at a woman lustfully, then you've already committed adultery right. in your heart. And so it's not so much like us um, needing to like be abstinent. Although the, though everyone listening, if you can, like that's that is God's righteous standard, which is saving sex for marriage. Mm-hmm. But we don't condemn ourselves. And I think for me, like how do I break that soul tie? Right with someone who's who maybe had physical, maybe didn't have sex, maybe you had oral sex, maybe you went farther than your boundaries allowed you to, maybe whatever it is that you did, or maybe you just had an emotional connection and you gave your heart over to that person, whatever the soul tie is, an emotional connection. I think something that I've learned is like, God, what was I trying? What need was I tr- was I allowing them to meet? Mm-hmm. And you go to the Holy Spirit in prayer, and you journal, and you say, God, where was I feeling a deficit? And where did I seek them instead of you? Mm-hmm. And that's where, uh, for me, a soul tie started breaking. Is like feeling insignificant, feeling like alone, feeling, um, whatever feelings you had or just insecurities that you had. When God reveals to you, like where you were weak. And where you sought it in another person, then he's able to to re, you know, reclaim the identity that you gave away. That's good. And then that's when healing starts to take place because you're getting to the root cause of why you had sex, why you gave your heart over, why you were immature or sinful in your behavior towards someone else. You're getting to that root cause and really sure. entering into a relationship with Christ that 
that breeds good fruit because you're connected to Christ in the deepest places yeah. of our of our belief system and our and our just personhood. Yeah, even Jesus said um, when the woman anointed Jesus' feet with perfume. And somebody in the room said, if you knew who she was, you know, and yeah. what she's done. And Jesus, of course he knew. But he said, who has sinned much gets receives that forgiveness even more. And they love God because of that grace, forgiveness. It doesn't matter, you know, what that past looks like. God accepts us and he looks at us as clean. He looks at us as a new beginning in a, a new creation. So uh, he knew what her past was, but he didn't hold it against her. He was about to go to the cross for her past. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then the past is wiped away and we get a new future in him. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I feel like this is a decent place to land the plane. Um, I'll, I'll kind of hopefully end it this way. Maybe just like one or two thoughts of like, as, as you think about this whole conversation, one or two thoughts to kind of close out the episode. And then Alec, Kimmy, if you want to add anything, just closing thoughts, go for it. And then we'll close it out. You want to go for it, Karen? Sure, Karen? sure. And I, I would just say at any point, if you felt condemned or guilty uh, about maybe something that you have done, some regrets that you have, or a stronghold of, of uh, some kind of a soul tie, uh, don't receive that because, you mm -hmm. know, it was for freedom that Christ has truly set us free. And so though we've discussed some, dis, you know, maybe tried to dissect this and, and break it down a little bit, just know that there is freedom, that God is not mad. He loves you. He forgives you. And you have a bright future in him. Yeah, I guess for me, and just thinking about this whole topic, I would simply say be aware of how easily a soul tie can form. And how intentionality plays a huge role into developing an emotional connection with one person and how it can be really easy to get caught up in, in like you can spend a lot of time with somebody and you may not even know, but you're getting emotionally attached. And if you're trying to pursue one person and pour into that person, you're not going to be able to give yourself fully because you've not taken the time to, in a sense, guard your heart. You've poured into multiple people and now you're stretched too thin so i would say intentionality is important and just being self-aware of, of who you are trying to pour into and develop that intimate relationship if you're looking to be in a serious relationship or just um whole and healthy mm -hmm. um i would say when i first learned about soul ties um i just remember the verbiage being so powerful for me um and almost like just putting words to things that i was going through that i didn't even know like it was a real thing. So I think that is going to be something that's um, just a very good tool is like the verbiage of a soul tie and like the, the practical steps of like letting God in to really heal that in you. And it's a phrase that we say at Res is like freedom isn't the absence of someone or isn't the absence of something, but it's the presence of someone. So really overall, just letting Jesus in um, and as you let him in to tell you the truth, to really just sit in his presence um, and that is just like one of the main steps I feel like of, of really working through the soul ties is really just letting Jesus in, letting him heal your heart. Yeah. To kind of close, I'll just make this call that if you 
are resonating with this and you're desiring, you're recognizing that you might have a, a, a soul tie that's unhealthy, you do not have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to DM us on, on Instagram, we can help you get set up with someone who can pray with you and you can walk through this with you because you shouldn't do it alone. Now, the Holy Spirit's a big boy. He can he can get to you when alone, <laughs> but you were meant to do this alone. We have so many trained and experienced pastors and ministry leaders who would love to walk with you to really find freedom in Christ when it comes to these emotional ties that we have with other humans. And so with that, you guys, Pastor Karen, thank you so much for joining us yes, uh, on the you. podcast today. And until next time, we'll see you guys. <laughs>